Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Have you missed us? Huh? Huh? You know they have, Pete. Everybody <laughs> misses us. They're probably like, oh, we thought we'd finally gotten rid of the two of you, and you're back. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They they probably do wish that they got rid of us, because here's the deal, man. It's like uh, you and I have been like two ships passing the night, man. We have. You were on vacation for a couple of weeks, and then I was traveling. So, like, even today's episode's coming out late because we didn't record it ahead of time. Do Do you have the same thing during these times where everyone you're talking to asks, "Is Peyton still doing this with you?" Because I get people asking me, "Is Pete still doing this with you?" Well, they probably asked that of you because of hardcore. Yeah. I don't do well, hardcore. I've announced anymore. on hardcore that you're 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 busy with other stuff. Did, right did you now. tell them all? Yeah. <laughs> Pete, Pete dropped me like a hot potato. <laughs> Pete, Dude, uh, I so did, man. I got to tell everyone who, if you haven't Pete, heard the Pete story. Pete has forsaken me for, I, for love of this present world. I, I Here was the thing, guys. If you ever listened to Hardcore when Peyton and I did those together, <laughs> really, it was Peyton and then this schmuck over here who comes in with the, hey, who would you get in a fist fight with? You know, right? <laughs> and I how, always how you came to Jesus. Yeah, and, and like, like Peyton knows these guys. He knows their story. He's more importantly, he's read their books. And he'll be like the night before going, hey, we have this guy on tomorrow. Here's his book, <laughs> which he could probably read in a good half hour. And I'm sitting there looking at that going, I don't have time to download it off of audible.com and listen. So yeah, I was like, was, I'm in, out, man. I'm in out. true form, we'd be texting each other back and forth while the guy's talking. 
on top of making jokes. Yeah. Which uh, I have no one to joke with now. I need a co-host. By the way, this is going out. If you want to be my co-host. Dude, you're going to get so many applications for that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Send that to Pete Mitchell at uh, churchplannermagazine.com. Oh, my gosh. I'll let you pick your replacement. That oh oh I love that. This is a contest, everybody. Okay, give him the email. Give him the is it Pete at churchplannermag.com? Pete at churchplannermag.com. I will Would interview you? you and I will decide if you are Peyton worthy. <laughs> can can we please do this? Can we broadcast these interviews? Can these be public interviews? Oh, absolutely. It's it's like the Gary Shandling show where they had the name the Schumacher's baby competition. Remember that? No. And Gary got to pick. You know what the Schumacher's baby is going to be called, and uh, he picked Blue Suede Schumacher, and uh, they stopped being friends with him. <laughs> you think that's like that's brutal? That's horrible. You ever seen that show? No, no. It it, it has the best theme song ever. I'll just say that. Google it. Well, if you Link show, if you're joining us for the first time and you're wondering what is this Church Planner podcast all about, this is uh, we are in what what we like to refer to as smack talk. See, Peyton and I, we get together basically once a week and uh, get to catch each other up on on our lives, and you get to be a part of that. Yes. And then we get into church planning. And no, in answer to the question that Ed Stetzer asked us years ago, we're not a couple of guys sitting in mom's basement drinking beers, pretending to have a podcast. Um, We were until you started working for Nam. (laughs) We were sitting in islands, though. Let's be let's be honest. Hey, I went to islands the other night. Do you know how many were, times you were- we said we were going to go to islands to do the podcast, and we get there and we're like, ah, forget the podcast, and we just start talking. <laughs> I went there with the fam bam the other night because that's our new uh, tradition. We have swimming once a week, and so we're like, hey, you know, like, this is how you know that you have kids and you're a family man now. They're like. Hey, we can make it a tradition. We'll go to dinner after swim practice. Woohoo. And you actually get a little excited about it because you're getting out of the house. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I dig it. So we do have actual content for you today. I'm just going to let everyone know. It's actually an interview that I got to do with uh, a great, uh, he, he calls himself the accidental evangelist and he's got great stories. So we're going to talk all about evangelism and what that looks like. Uh, so a great interview we've got coming up here in just a few minutes and uh, I won't say anything more. I'll, I'll let that kind of just, I'll let that surprise everybody. But until then it's time for the smack talk. And just by way of shameless plug, I do in my new book, cha-ching, <laughs> say the uh, accidental church planner. So, uh, do you? you know, sounds like a brother from another mother. I like you'll actually, you'll, I, you'll really like the interview. I just wanted to shamelessly plug my book. See, if you weren't talking to Mac Lake this morning, we could have had you on the podcast and we could have done the podcast up proper. But uh, I suppose I'm actually interviewing him tomorrow for hardcore. And, and then and then I could have been texting you telling you what to ask Jay. It would have been a reversal. <laughs> hey, why? T- typical of our thing. Hey, this guy sounds like the guy off of The Simpsons. Remember that one? <laughs> Dude, yes. <laughs> I ought to liver kick you. <laughs> Oh, you just gave it away. You got to edit that. What? You just gave away who it was. No, I didn't. <laughs> yes, you did. No one remembers. <laughs> they remember. No one remembers. Oh, man, I feel like people just saw us naked. 
<laughs> I feel like I just showed us naked again. And so you know the one where we were talking about. Uh, let me let me preface that. I can't say you know the one where we were talking about underwear. Um, there there was one recently because I think somehow every episode in the last six months has eventually gone to Star Wars underwear. Like that's just become a thing. It's his regular smack talk right now. Mm. But uh, this one guy, he <laughs> he was listening to it. And I remember we were debating, should we keep that in? Should we take it out? And this guy texted me. He goes, well, the wheels came off the bus pretty early on in this episode. That was Mike Neal's on Twitter. Yes. yes I remember was. that one well, man. And I remember, you remember it well. the comment. It was hilarious. I completely remember the comment because I was like, <laughs> I can't believe you went there right out of the gates. Peyton at churchplanermag.com. Peyton <laughs> Well, hey, we do have a review that I've been sitting on since the last time. Wow, February 11th is when I received this review, so it's been a while. Wow. We didn't even get to exchange Valentine pleasantries. I sent you something. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So here's the review title. That's why it's funny. I was excited to hear my story on the last podcast. The, it was It was somebody that I had talked to that had said... They had like played a portion of our podcast for their roommate or something. And their, their roommate goes, wow, that's kind of mean. And she goes, yeah, that's why it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, so naturally I had to write a review. I look forward to the smack talk. Oh, and I did actually talk to someone today who's uh, thinking about coming through my Bivo training. And she's like, yeah, just so you know, I'm one of the people who fast forwards through the smack talk. And I almost wanted to say, I'm sorry, you're not invited to be a part of my uh my Bivo yeah. business growth consulting program. Cause you know, yeah. uh, anyway, she goes on to say, some people may think it's a, it's mean. <laughs> some people may think it's mean. We didn't know it was mean, but apparently some people might think it's mean or a waste of time, but I think it's hilarious. Anyway, she goes on to say, uh, I've even went so far as purchasing Peyton's church zero cha-ching and pre-ordered Woo-hoo! reaching the unreached becoming Raiders of the lost art. Wow. Cha-ching. She put in pre-orders. Pre-orders, cha-ching. You know, I get taken up. By the way, guys, I get taken up. I'll be somewhere and someone will be like, you know, if I'll mention something, they'll be like, cha-ching. And I'll be like, no, that's the rule on my own show. I don't got a cha-ching anywhere else. But I dig the fact that when I'm out now, people are saying cha-ching at me and they're yelling mo-give at you. Do you remember how much we used to use the cha-ching? I mean, we did it all the time. Oh, man. And I don't know, we haven't done it as much. So anyway, uh, we thank you so much for this review. And as always, if you leave us a review for either the magazine or the podcast, all you got to do is open up Church Planner Magazine, the app on your iPhone or Android. Click that little settings icon, little gear shaped icon in the bottom right. And then there's going to be a button that says contact us. And that sends us what's called your device token. And we unlock free goodies for you. So Woo-hoo. do that and get your free stuff because we appreciate the good reviews. If you give us a bad review, we can actually block you with that device token. So, yeah. And sometimes we give you things like the church planner, uh, you know, the, the jump school, uh, you know, study guide, the movies. I mean, we got some cool goodies there. Wait, so. wait, 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 what, what's jump school again? Cause I can't keep them straight. No, 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 no. Um, not jump school the action figure with six parts of articulation and kung fu grip. We're talking jump school the video, the core team video training series, my good man, with study guide. 
Dude, I love it. Now fortified with eight essential vitamins. Quality you can taste. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want to. Dude, when I was working at this one Christian summer camp during my my years at college, what I would do is I would get up on the very first day. Like kids come in on Sunday and all the staff would introduce themselves. And see, no one knows you at that point. So, and everyone's like, I don't know if it's cool to laugh or whatever. So I always knew that going in. So I'd stand up there in front of everyone. I go, hi, my name is Pete. And, you know, no one would do anything. I go, okay, you guys don't understand. When I say, hi, my name is Pete, you need to scream. So I go, hi, my name is Pete. And then, you know, they go, ah, it's it's like half-hearted because they don't know if it's cool yet. And I would always ignore it and just go, okay, cool, and keep going. Well, the next day, the next Monday, I was the guy that was in charge. I don't know why, but I was in charge of getting them all riled up for the the game time. (laughs) (laughs) It's so literally... I'd stand up there and go, hi, everybody. My name is Pete. And everyone goes, ah, right? Because by this time, they're all just ecstatic and they're just, right, you know, roaring. I go, my friends at college call me sugar, but you can call me all purpose flower. Or I would like come up with like <laughs> these weird names. And so one of them one time was, you know, I'd do the same thing every day. I'd get up there. Hi, my name is Pete. Everyone goes crazy. I go, my friends at college call me sugar, but you can call me quality you can taste. <laughs> Just, we would take like the in and out slogan and that's what they could call me. And it was so funny when they'd come up to me, they'd go, hi, uh, protein fortified with vitamins A and D. <laughs> Because I would just like come up with these names, man. I don't know I why I thought about, of that. I thought you were going to tell the belt loop story. Oh, do you remember that one? Did I tell yeah. that on the podcast? That's one of the best stories ever, man. Oh my! You gosh. know what I've you know what I've realized though about our show is when you and I were church planting together, our smack talk was short. This this is basically since I handed over Refuge Long Beach and I don't see you on a regular basis physically anymore. Our smack talk got way longer. <laughs> we're just hanging out, man. That's what's happening. That's what I said. This is when we get to catch up on each other's lives. I know. Although I did hold you for a long time today as a chatty Kathy. You did. You did. I did. Yeah. I kept seeing you getting ready to start. And I'm like, oh, one more thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I got to tell you, man, I like the business growth consulting program is off the hook, man. I have got some incredible people in that group. Incredible people. Like, I, I don't think these guys realize how much I get out of the group. I don't mean just like, you know, financially or whatever. I get so much from hearing the, cause I'm, th- this is the thing. Like I was talking this morning earlier to this, uh, this gal who's, who's planning on coming through the program. So one of the, one of the things I was telling her was that she was like, oh, okay, well, you know, there's a six week training, you know, but really what is it? I'm like, well, really it's, it's a year long mentorship program, but I go, I gotta be frank, man. The thing that has totally taken over is this thing called the Voxer chat group. So Voxer is an app for your iPhone and your Android. And uh, and we got a chat group in there. So it's like a push to talk, right? You just leave a voicemail in there and everyone else can hear it and they can respond to it. And uh, the stuff that goes on in this group is epic. And I personally believe, because I, I, use, I use Voxer for seller, several of my other groups. Like I've got one group that's got high level consultants in it. They're not church planners and it's like a ghost town. And the difference is, I believe because church planning is so stinking difficult. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. And they finally found a group of people who, 
who is, understand. As Bill Clinton would say, I feel your pain. You know, like <laughs> it's like they finally have a group where everyone can just hang out and, and talk. And it like we've got this one couple in there, husband and wife team, who are just like going through it, man. Like they they just had this second church they've been kicked out of and they got kicked out of this church because some stuff the pastorate was doing that was just mm. l- literally evil stuff. And they were like, look, you know, this needs to not only stop, but we don't need to hide this. We need to like be honest with people. This is what's going on. And this is not right. And the church wouldn't do it. So they were asked to leave because they wanted to like brush all this stuff underneath the, the carpet kind of a thing. And they're just like going through the pain. And, uh, and this, this, the, the wife, she came into the, the Voxer group and she's like, I, I can't tell you how in the last week, how much this group has done for me and just mm. helping me start to heal from all that. And it's, it's, it's literally taken on a life of its own. It's like everyone is there. Th- this is the way I describe it to people. The whole reason everyone is in this group is they want to reach the lost in their communities. And it just so happens this is the way that they're funding their life. Cause it's yeah. that, that I think is the key difference. It's not, look, we're trying to go out there and be the next, you know, internet millionaire, though I'm sure no one would turn that down. I think our audience, though, let's be honest, our audience on this podcast, we get a certain type of church planner. There are church planners out there where they're going to, they're going to go into it. Like Paul said, he goes, some preach Christ out of selfish ambition and rivalry. You can do ministry for all the wrong reasons. And our audience if you've listened to this podcast and you subscribe to the philosophy of what we're what we're talking about, that's what we do. That's what we're talking about. So you're going to have that unique kind of slice of church planners. That is their heart. Yeah. Or they would have switched us off a long time ago. They probably did. <laughs> or, <laughs> or they fast forward through all the good stuff and get straight to the meat. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's been it's been awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is just, I, I could not have asked for a better thing. And, and so I'm very protective of it. Like, I don't, yeah. like, I, I told everyone uh, real recently that I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to shut it down for a while. Um, I, I still don't know exactly what I'm going to do or how it's going to look, but I'm, I'm very protective. Like, I don't want people coming into it just for the sake of coming into it. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to. I've been like, look, I don't think this is right for you. Mm. Like this is just, it's not, and not usually because of spiritual stuff, but usually because, I mean, it's expensive, right. To to go through my program. And I'm like, I don't, you don't strike me as the person who's going to make money with this. Well, that's it, man. That's what I had a guy email me and guys, I have nothing to do with this. I don't make a penny off this thing. It's, it's totally Pete Steele. Um, but I had a guy ask me today, um, a guy knew a church planner I've been connecting with, and he's like, hey, man, should I shoot me straight? Should I do it? And I told him, well, if you're the kind of guy where you're going to be a go-getter and you're going to actually do the stuff that Pete says, it'll be great. If you're not, then, yeah, it'll be a waste of cash. You need you need to be committed that I'm going to do this. And Pete will tell you if he doesn't think you're the right kind of guy. So I had one guy who, who uh, emailed me the other day, and he's like, you know, I've been praying about it. I really think it's the right thing for me to do. I got a couple last questions. And and one of them was, uh, <laughs> it's a true story, man. He goes, you know, I'm coming up with the money and I'd, I'd set aside some money for this missions trip and I can use that. And I'm like, dude, you told the wrong guy that because, <laughs> yeah, God, I took that missions money that that pastor was saving up so we could go serve you. And I took it. I'm like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, man. 
Yep. That's you told the wrong guy that I'm not after your money. So yep. I Absolutely. mean, it's just, I don't, it's, it's cool. It, it's cool to see the people who want to do it and, and the hate mail that I get. Cause I told you a couple of weeks back, I get some, I get some really cool hate mail. <laughs> like right on. Save it, man. Save oh, that. Dude, stuff. I'm making a binder out of it. I'm going to publish that book. It's going to be awesome. That's awesome. I had this one guy go off. Like Tyrone and I did a special conference call. We played it on the podcast like a week or two ago. And, uh, but we did a, a conference call. So he was on the conference call. And then, like, he's shooting me all these emails and you're not letting us ask any questions. And he's just like, one thing after the other. I'm like, dude. What is going on? And he's like, well, if you're going to ask for $5,000 and blah, blah, blah. And he starts, and I'm like, okay, you clearly didn't listen to the call because I wasn't asking for $5,000. And I'm like, why are you going off? You need, oh, well, I quit listening after 35 minutes. I'm like, well, you had no problem still emailing me for like <laughs> the next hour and a half. I'm like, people are funny, man. They're funny. Yeah, they are, man. You know, hey, uh, one of the things since we're not, um, since I don't get to talk today, right? Because we're going to interview, interview this other guy. Um, let me just say this, guys. There's a lot of heat being generated right now by the release of the movie The Shack. Ooh. And I wrote, I, I've been blogging a little bit more. I wrote, I gave my two cents on it because there are obviously theological problems with the movie. Um, and, and so if you, if you want a take, that's maybe not the party line. So if I see Christians bashing it and this is going to shock everyone because, you know, here, my two heroes are Spurgeon and, and Lloyd Jones. And so people are kind of shocked that I tell them, go see it. And the reason why I tell you to go see it on the blog is because this is an evangelistic opportunity. I don't give a smack about. You know, whatever. Remember, I planted a church on the back of Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code years ago. And thank God that there was a guy writing wrong stuff about Jesus because it saw a ton of people saved when it gave me the opportunity to engage people. As Paul, as, as Pete talks about with marketing, you enter the conversation people are already having. And that's what I was able to do. Um, and I would say on this, man, you, people in your office, in your neighborhood are going to go see this movie and it's going to open them up to God. And even if they're not open to God, it's going to open up conversation. And, you know, to be honest, you can't put a price on that. Um, the, your neighbors aren't going to care about the theological problems. I bet there's more right about God than they got wrong. I bet your neighbors have more wrong about God before they've seen this movie, um, then, you know, it's not like people are walking around with good theology. It's not like this is going to break them. Um, I, I would just say, you know, I say to people, whatever you do, do not miss the opportunity to cash in on a gospel opportunity. So do I think you should uh, make the stand as the bastion of uh, evangelical truth and be the champion of orthodoxy on your street? Hey, by all means, go ahead and be that guy, but be the guy that all your neighbors are going to walk around and sidestep on their way to the movie theater. Or be the guy who actually engages with culture and converses and has gospel conversations that lead people to saving faith. So if you want to check out that article in full, it's on PeytonJones.Ninja. It's my blog site. <laughs> and by the way, if you do go over there, wait, wait, sign up. What was that? Yeah. PeytonJones.Ninja. 
Ninja. Ninja. <laughs> I still Sorry remember when we were buying those. I got to be mental that Ninja. Woohoo! remember in fact the second i told you i go hey just bought a domain site you can buy dot ninja and you're like wait what <laughs> you freaked out in the middle of the conversation and you go hold on and you go in there type type i hear you madly i just bought one i bought that and i bought pete mitchell dot sexy which is the one that offends jamie more than anything else but she knows how sexy you are I, that's what I, my point I'll talk to repeat. Thank you. It's like your parents. I'll talk to them. Um, you know, it, it, it's cool though, because, uh, you know, if, if you do go on there and you want to get updates, guys, I got a book coming out. I know I've mentioned this every podcast I've been on. Um, I want to get you on my freebie list. I'm starting to give away a lot of freebies in connection with this book. There is no audio book, but if you pre-order, guess what? You get an audio book read by me. Really? So get on that newsletter and it's going to, you have to go to PeytonJones.ninja and you'll immediately get a free, go to the top right of the sc- screen and it'll say, give me your email. Go on there. I dig it. Well, I guess we should probably close out Smack Talk and uh, actually get to the interview. Yeah, I got to go now. I don't get to talk anymore of this podcast. <laughs> you don't only because I did the interview without you. So you did well done. Yeah. Well, you know, every once in a while I got skills <laughs> and you ask real questions. this time. <laughs> well, the thing is I knew the guy cause he's in my program. So I'm like, all right, I talked to him. I, I know where I can go with this. There you go, man. There you go. All so, right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to sign out then guys. Good to see. You. We'll be back next week. Full swing. The Peyton and Pete team up the dynamic duo. Uh, my Batman, his Robin. Rip! Did you see the Batman movie? <laughs> the Batman movie? The the Lego Batman? Uh, yeah, I did. I was going to say, there's no way Luke let you off the hook on that one. No, no. I think on next week's episode, we got to talk about uh, Logan. Logan. Yes, we do. Have you seen we it? Do indeed. I have not yet. I, You know, I'm going to tell everyone right now, I'm not endorsing it. Like, oh, you you got to... Pilgrim... What, how's Pil- What's Pilgrim's last name? Pilgrim Benham. Benham. Benham? He nailed it. I read his post. Yeah, dude, he, he nailed, nailed it. it when he's like, "The f bomb gets the best actor award, and Hugh Jackman only gets supporting actor." Like, it literally is a good ninety percent of the the writing. I'm glad you told me because, believe it or not, my wife is cooler than sometimes people might imagine. She goes, "I really want to see that," and uh, so I guess that won't be happening. I don't know, man. It, there's so much profanity in it. I didn't think the story was all that good. Yeah. And um and there's there's other stuff in it. Like I didn't even realize it was rated R until I literally bought the ticket and I'm like, "What? An X-Men movie rated R?" Mm. It was a well They're kind of doing this with comic book movies now. It's kind of Because trend, of Deadpool, but, uh, because Deadpool did yeah. so well. They're like, "Oh, we can do this." Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, man. Well, here comes the train. Like Mr. Rogers, that's my cue that uh it's time for you to go to the land of make believe. All right, guys. I'm out. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. I am Pete Mitchell, and uh, Peyton Jones is not here with us today. However, I have a very special treat for you. I have uh, someone on the line who is uh, rapidly becoming a a good friend. Um, I'll actually let him tell the the story of how we met, but, uh, but let me introduce you to someone who is doing some 
some really cool stuff up in Canada, as we like to call them, our, our northern neighbor. And uh, anyway, Jay Lee, welcome to the call. Thanks for having me, Pete. So, you know, one of the first things, Jay, that we always like to do on our podcast is for everyone who doesn't know you, we always like to give them a little bit of uh, your background. So if you could tell everyone your story of how you came to faith and how you got involved in church planning. Sure. Um, so I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. I'm a Korean-Canadian and grew up in the church, the Presbyterian church, that is. And uh, that was a wonderful experience, except the part where the gospel meets um, my life. And so I grew up in the church really not knowing God personally. I knew about him. And it wasn't until I was 18, my parents, I guess, were trying to reform me and send me off to New York City. at a, I guess it was called a Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now known as Power to Change Campus Conference out in Long Island, New York. So I thought, gosh, free trip, you know, get out of the country. You know, a couple of my friends from church were going. We're going to, like, skip every session and go play some volleyball and fool around, that sort of idea. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in. <laughs> so I ended up uh, going with this, uh, with our church to Long Island, New York, to this uh, campus uh, conference, if you will. And there was hundreds of students there. And I skipped, like I said, every single workshop and speaking engagement and group uh, uh, study that they had, Bible study. And it wasn't until the last night of the conference where my camp counselor pretty much dragged me by the ear and said, I let you off the hook the entire week, but you need to come to this last session. So I said, well, the sun's gone. I've, I've played as much as I can. You know, I have nothing to gain. I have nothing to lose. So I might as well just, you know, do my time and go to this last session. And I'll never forget it. There's about, I don't know, 500 students in the Long Island campus um, at University of Long Island. And there was a, a lady who was um, talking about God. And I've heard, you know, through the church and going to camps and, you know, the typical altar call where they'll talk about Jesus and then they'll dim the lights and play the music and create this emotional response, if you will. And I've had several of my close friends from church. Uh, I guess you can say receive Christ or get born again. And even in that moment when I was in high school or before then, when they were doing this altar call at the retreat, I would feel left out because they were all going up for the altar call. So I kind of pretended to accept Christ about three times uh, in my teen years, teenage years, just so that I wouldn't feel left out. And there was a bunch of people getting emotional and crying, and I faked that as well. And <laughs> hmm. it wasn't until I was 18 and came to Long Island, New York, where this lady was talking about God and really articulating the gospel in a way that I understood. And I felt like God was singling me out in that crowd of 500 people and saying, you know, I want to come into your life. I want you to open your heart. And I was fighting. I mean, I was fighting God. I was like kicking and screaming, like C.S. Lewis says, into the kingdom of, of God and saying, um, well, I don't know if this is a trade up. You know, I don't know if I'm going to lose my you know, reputation and all these things I was asking and battling God with, wrestling, and uh, at the end I lost, or I won, or God won, <laughs> and I asked Jesus to come into my life, and uh, right then and there, I just, I guess you can say I became this instantaneous uh, evangelistic kind of a guy, and with like the emotions running, and I had snot 
and stuff. My tears were just dripping all over the place. I was a, I was a mess because of understanding God's love. I went to my friend, uh, Joseph, and I was like, hey, man, you need to know God. He's amazing. I've experienced it right now. And, like, I've got, you know, snot come out of my nose. I got tears coming, like, out of my face. <laughs> and he's like, what the hell? Who are you? And he's like, get away from me. You know, are you possessed? Like, I must have looked pretty scary. That's how I came to faith. Wow. That's crazy. How did you go from all of that into uh, the world of, of church planning? And, and we'll even get into more detail about the other stuff that you do. But how did you make that transition or, or how did it go from there? Well, from there, um, I ended up going to the University of Waterloo and uh, had the opportunity to help start, I guess, the, the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, IVCF. So that was my first, I guess, month of coming to faith. And uh, basically, a couple of um, older students that were graduating asked if some leaders could take over and start this new group. And I was like, gosh, I'm only like two weeks saved, and you want me to help start this group? And I was like, surely you've got the wrong person. And so in my life, since I became a, a believer, I've been put into leadership roles and starting roles and helping grow campus groups and Bible studies. And so that group that initially started at the University of Waterloo was about six people. And then at the end of four years, it was about 60. Um, and it's still going on today. It's one of the strongest campus ministries in all of Ontario, Canada, uh, to this day. And from there, I ended up, um, I did have, had some sales and marketing uh, schooling at University of Waterloo and at the college that I went to locally here in Toronto. And I ended up working for the bank, the largest bank in Canada, and was doing project management, uh, was doing uh, national sales. For, for Visa and getting lots and lots of experience um, in the business world. And in that time, even in the bank, I had the privilege and opportunity of helping start, by the grace of God, uh, two lunch prayer Bible studies. Mm. So even in the workplace, I was kind of fruiting my way, if you will, into discipleship and uh, evangelism. And there were people that got cured from, one girl in particular got cured from breast cancer. Uh, you know, we had about six to 12 people coming every week for a lunch prayer or Bible study up in the head office in, in, the, in the bank. I remember one time in particular, a, a senior vice president walked in and we were talking about the Bible and praying. And it was like he opened the door and said, gosh, I must be in the wrong building <laughs> because we were having this lunch Bible prayer yeah. thing going on in the corporate world. And he was like. I thought this was a meeting room for executives. You're all, it is <laughs> just not what you're thinking. It, it is. It is. <laughs> wow, man. So, that's yeah, crazy. From there, um, went, went from the bank and I felt, um, my calling to ministry, this is a clincher was through a cartoon caption. I love comics. I'm not, uh, even though uh, reading is important, I, I like pictures and I'm a visual learner. So I saw the cartoon caption on my neighbor's, um, uh, the cubicle on the, on top of the, the cubicle saying it was a two part caption. And one was like the year 2650 AD and it was archeologists uh, mining ruins and they were, you know, pickaxing at this rubble. And then in the second caption um, under the rubble, uh, they found cubicles. And I thought to myself, my heart just sank. I thought, gosh, you know, we're, you know, this company is worth, you know, tens of thousands of employees and, you know, trying to make that profitability. And I felt like 
even though that's not a bad thing in itself, I felt like God was calling me to help people realize that there's more to life than money and materials. And then that question that keeps going on is what next? Mm. After you get, you know, that dog or that house, what next? Your trophy wife, what next? Your second car, what next? Your cottage, what next? Your boat, what next? Your retirement package, what next? And then it's like, and at the end of the road, what next? Wow, man. That's crazy. So, I mean, today I know you do, um, you, you do some unique things within the church. So I, I kind of want to zero in on that. Why don't you tell everyone what it is that you do with your consulting business for the church? So as I mentioned before, kind of being a reluctant and uh, accidental evangelist, even the word evangelist kind of makes me, uh, it, it sends shares up my spine because I don't like labels and I don't like being called things. <laughs> but people say that whenever I get around people, people come to Christ. And um, even in a previous church that I was at, accidentally, uh, I was taking a course um, at the seminary that I was attending and put together a curriculum designed for an evangelism training program that I thought, gosh, this is not going to go well. And over the course of three and a half years, we had over 250 people equipped to share the gospel and over uh, 1,500 professions of faith. So you can see our church grew from, gosh, I think it was 100 at the time, to over 550 and uh, from one to four satellite locations. So through that experience, which was church planning, evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, uh, you know, I kind of wore uh, a lot of the hats. I ended up, after that experience, planning my own church downtown at University of Toronto. Um, and Toronto is the most multi-ethnic or one of the most multi-ethnic cities in the entire planet. They say that statistically there's 52% or almost 52% of the city that is born outside of the country. Mm. So instead of going to the nations, instead of going to the different mission fields, God has brought them to our doorstep. So it's a gift. So what I've done uh, in, in the recent, um, recently is church growth consulting. And basically what that means is through evangelism, discipleship, through leadership, through worship, through children's ministry, through all the facets that a church planter uh, uh, will go through, um, I've experienced that firsthand and trying to use those skill sets and, you know, the spiritual formation and things that I've learned along the way um, is to impart and to teach and equip church planters, leaders, denominations, campus group, really uh, the church um, and, and, and followers of Christ, how to reach the nation and how to plant more churches so that more people will come to Christ. See, I think one of the things that's, that's really um, important for people to understand about what you just said. Now, I haven't been to Canada myself, but I used to be on the uh, the board of directors for apologetics.com uh, for years, and I know that they put on apologetics seminars up in Canada, and one of the things uh, I found out from talking to uh, one of the guys who lives in Canada is it's completely different than the states as far as churches are concerned, uh, Christianity. I mean, it's, it's completely different, and... You know, in the States, if you were to say church growth consultant, 
a lot of people's first thought is, okay, this is all about transfer growth. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have the new hotness church, and we're gonna suck all the Christians away from the other churches, and you know, we're gonna have the big band, and it's gonna be cool, and you know, building their own little Tower of Babel. But up in Canada, it's not like that. It's not really like you could even do that if you wanted to. It's it's a very unchurched um, area, and so what you're really talking about is uh, growing the church through conversion growth, which is reaching the lost and sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then uh, discipling them and sending them right back out and, you know, uh, rinse and repeat, so to speak. And, yeah, yeah, and exactly. I, I think that's, that's you know, that's the really, the really cool thing, because that's what most of our church planners who listen to the podcast, um, that's what, that's where their heart is. Right. You don't really, I mean, especially if you've been a longtime listener of the Church Planner podcast, there's no way you would have made it through all 200 plus episodes if your, if your mindset wasn't, I want to reach the lost because we don't, like Peyton doesn't give you the, the five easy steps to having 250 plus people at your church. Right. I mean, it's not that kind of a, of a podcast. Um, so if you can, I mean, like give us some of the things that, Let's say you've got a church. What what kind of situation would that church be in where they would reach out to you? And go, hey, we need help figuring out how to evangelize our area better. Tell us what that church would look like before, and then maybe we can kind of expand to what are some of the things that that you look at when you walk into that kind of a church. Sure, I mean, I so I guess preach uh, quite a bit here in Toronto, all across Toronto, with different churches and different denominations. And I'll give you one example um, of a church that I uh, preached at. Um, when I went to that church, uh, not a single said, person said hi to myself or my family and our three kids. And so we got the feeling of, even as the guest speakers, like, gosh, we don't feel welcome here. I mean, that's not rocket science. But when you, f- when you don't feel welcome in a church and you're not embraced or you're not included, and even after the service, um, even though we were the guests and they found out that we were the guest speakers, um, nobody talked to us after the service. They kind of went into their own cliques. And so there you have an ethos that is already created and that is already existing where it's this set, you know, church that is somewhat established and, and, and comfortable, if you will. And so I asked one of the leaders, I said, you know, how has the church been doing in the last, you know, five years? Has it been able to grow? Has it been able to reach the lost? And he said, it hasn't grown in the last year. We, we can't figure it out. I'm like, um, it's not that difficult like, mm. just from that one observation of like not feeling welcome. Um, that's one of many examples of how a church can really, uh, break out of that to grow their church and see their church feel like they can invite other people. Like I wouldn't invite my friends to that church at all. Mm. I know why. That's one example of many. What? So when you go into a situation like that, what do you, what do you, how do you get them off the sidelines and into the big game, so to speak? Like one of the things that, that I can tell just from talking to you, you know, two weeks after you're saved, they put you in the big game, right? They don't let you sit on the sidelines. They don't let you um, do the whole excuse that I had for years, which is, you know, God used me, but first make me ready for use. And see, that was always a safe thing to say. Cause if I never got ready for use, then, you know, God can't put me in the big game and, I don't have to worry about anything. 
So, right. you know, what do you do when you go into a church like that? Like, tell me what that looks like. Are you meeting with the leadership? Are you meeting with uh, the church itself? I mean, walk a guy like me through that. Yeah. So um, great question, by the way. And like, I wouldn't meet with the stakeholders and especially the lead pastor and anyone who has really a say in things. People might have, um, you know, big mouths, but not have any authority. And I avoid those people. I talk to the people who are the shakers and movers in the church who have the authority, whether it's the elder board, board of directors, or the pastoral staff. And I want the, the main stakeholders in the room, whether it's over a coffee or in a in an office, to talk to the leaders. And I did that with one of the churches. There was about eight of them. And I told them what I do and how, what I have to offer. And they were like, the, res- the response and the reaction was, how can you offer all that? That, that would mean a lot of growth. I'm like, that's exactly what I'm saying. So getting the right people in the right room. Um, the next thing I do is um, I ask for permission to say, I'm not here to prescribe a cookie cutter method because I don't believe in that personally. I think it's important to have a dialogue and contextualize um, your, your mission and your, your, your uh, church uh, community, if you will, and see what you've got, see what, the, what assets and gifts you have, see what resources you have. And then from there, what are your strengths? What, what's working well? What's not working well? And, um, uh, you know, just as important is what, what is the vision of the church? What direction would you like to go? And with those things in mind, with the vision, with the resources, with the gifts, um, with the ethos that they're trying to create, it's almost like, um, like a, a re- reverse engineering, if you will. So if the vision is to see a multi-ethnic, a multi-generational church that is reaching for example, University of Toronto campus, which is the largest campus on in, in Canada, all of Canada, then it might be a good idea to uh, move out of the suburbs and plant yourself somewhere on campus. And that's exactly what I did, which is myself eight years ago, which is planted a ch- uh, church uh, not only on the grounds or near the U of T, but actually in a University of Toronto building. We're actually in the film uh, film screening and film uh, writing uh college at University of Toronto. And so being situated in the right place and creating the right ethos and getting the permission, I, I think that's the biggest thing is like, if they don't want to change, if they're not desperate, you know, to, to want to see the ethos and the culture become the vision, I can't work with them no matter how much I try mm. to help them. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things, um, that I want to I want to kind of touch on here. I mean, you called yourself the the accidental evangelist, which I think yeah. is a a great term, by the way. Um, you know, right before we started this call, uh, you had mentioned that you'd just been meeting with one of the largest church planning networks in Canada, and they had done a study. Tell everyone real quickly about that study that they had found that I think is so sure. key. I mean, I was shocked when I heard this because I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know this, and I didn't. It's hard to believe, but in the assessment um, that they do to assess church planners, they'll give a green light, yellow light, or a red light. Um, green obviously meaning go, yellow meaning you know maybe wait another year or two, or apprentice with someone. Red is obviously um, stop and you know maybe think of another vocation. <laughs> Might do more harm than good. But the idea was that as they assess these uh, church planters uh, to plant churches across Canada, they've noticed that uh, nine out of 10, so 90% of people that get assessed um, 
are not able to articulate the gospel in a way to lead people to faith. So they do actual um, uh, role-playing scenarios where they'll say to the respective church planner, um, okay, so we're in a coffee shop, you know, we're interested about God, we want to know more about the church, can you do a gospel dialogue where you uh, lead or help lead me to Christ? And they said from that study, nine out of 10 people, church planters, these are pastors who are called to ministry, called to reach the lost, do not know how to do this. Mm. That's See, that that's amazing to me. And one of the things that I've noticed about evangelists, like I noticed this with Peyton, when Peyton and I will go places, um, I noticed this with you, because how you and I got connected is through the uh, business growth consulting program that I do with church planners. And that's right. One of the things uh, we were working with uh, with one of your clients, and you'd sent over uh, to me what we call a, a CIR, competitive intelligence report, where we look at the business and you know ways that we can improve it. And like at the tail end of <laughs> the CIR was all this uh, this information from your conversation. You know, where is he at spiritually? Where, and, and it it was funny to me because I'm like, that's an evangelist for you. They can't turn it <laughs> off. Like it doesn't matter right. that that you know we're talking about improving your business for the evangelist it's always about god like everything always comes back to god so one of the questions i've got is okay so you you're you're wired that way how do you help these guys uh you know understand how to do what you do in regards to that like what what does that look like that's a great question cuz um they say that um, majority of Christians are not evangelists, um, but there are evangelistic believers, people who really feel um, like they can learn. And I mean, we're all called to, you know, reach the lost. We're all called to disciple. It's, you know, there's, we have all these excuses and, you know, um, reasons why we can't, won't, or don't. But um, in terms of practically speaking, um, as an accidental evangelist, as you will, is I come alongside those who are non uh, evangelistic or don't have the gift uh, to 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 reach people, and I I literally spend time with them. So I would go on campus with them um, to do some uh, surveying that leads to gospel dialogues, if you will. Uh, I'll be in uh, coffee conversations with their you know unbelieving friends. I'll be in uh, maybe they'll they'll have some sort of um, invitation for a meal, and I'll just spend time with them and. Uh, it's not like every time I have to, you know, hey, you know, it's like, you know about God or, you know, you know, you know, you go to hell. And I wouldn't approach people like that. But I would spend time with people over time with their uh, non-believing friends. And it's like on the job training. I would I would impart who I am. And and they, they pick up things like, man, like the way that you spoke to that person. Like, I mean, this here's a maybe not a greatest example, but we'll be at Starbucks. And I'm like, hey, you know, uh, your name is Christian. And then I'll be like, I'm a Christian too. And my name's not Christian, but I'm a Christian. You know what that means. And I know it's kind of a cheesy, seemingly cheesy way, but you'd be surprised at how, you know, small conversations sort of just like that open people up. Like, you know, people would be like, you know, I was actually thinking about God and I'm suicidal and, and I'm glad that, you know, you came, maybe God sent an angel to you, to me today and to talk about, you know, something like that, the, the afterlife. And so God just every single time shows up and when, um, my role is not just to lead people to faith. I mean, God has give, gifted me and enabled me to do that. My role is, as in Ephesians 4, 11, 12, is to equip the saints for works of service. So 
to identify, activate, and help equip everyone, whether it's lay people, um, leaders, um, pastors, to be able to share their faith. And so I do that by walking alongside them with their church plans. I do it with them in their neighborhoods, in the, in the neighborhood that they're trying to reach, with their coworkers. So I, I guess this thing that the niche or the, lack of better words, competitive advantage is instead of just a program or an event or a workshop, I work alongside with them closely and do ongoing coaching, meet them personally for coffee, I'll do Skype calls, and I'll even be where they're at uh, with their their uh, existing uh, church community and their unbelieving uh, friends or family members or coworkers or the people that they're trying to reach in their neighborhood. Wow, man, that's that's pretty cool. Um, what what I really take away from that at the very you know, beginning, like when you said, hey, your name is Christian, I'm a Christian, but my name's not Christian. I mean, kind of what I take away from that is you're willing to put yourself out there. You're willing to, I don't know if this is the right term, but you're willing to look foolish. I don't mean, I don't think that looks foolish, but one of the things I think holds back a lot of people is we're, we're too afraid. You know, what are people going to think? I mean, I definitely have that thought always going through my head. Um, and, and it is that, you know, I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to sound stupid. I don't want to, but you're just willing to put yourself out there, take the risk and just see if the conversation goes anywhere. Right. Yeah. Can I share one story? Yeah, please. Um, I mean, I've got lots, but, um, it's an example pertaining to what, what you just said. So I was at Young and, uh, uh Young and Bloor, which is like the epicenter of downtown Toronto. <clears throat> um, I just finished from jujitsu training with a friend of mine that I helped lead to Christ. And then <clears throat> I saw this homeless guy that was on the street and he had this terrible cardboard sign that said, you know, um, we want to see change. Why don't you give me change or something? I, like he needs change, he needs money. So he, he was basically with this uh, cardboard box saying, you know, um, can you can you please spare change? And I mean, the box was ripped up and tattered. The marker was like half working. So you could barely read the sign. and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, go and talk to this person. And that morning, one of my prayers uh, pretty much every day is, God, I want to participate in your perfect plan. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I just, you already have a plan and you have a mission. And I just want to partner with you, God. And, and so if, if there's anything that you want me to say or do or, or, or act on, I'm available. I'm willing. Like you said, to, to be a fool, to say anything and like, I have to get over myself. And once I get over myself, I trust that God will give me the words to speak. So because I prayed that prayer and I've been praying that God would lead me to the lost, I felt that nudge to go speak to this guy. And I still resisted because I was like, that's not really you, God. And I was wrestling and I ended up um, standing beside like this a telephone pole because I was, I was arguing with God. I said, I don't really want to do this right now. It's not convenient. I'm on a schedule. And for five minutes, I was wrestling with God. And I said, is this what you really want me to do? And I felt like God was like, yes, I told you the first time. I told you the fifth time. Go and talk with this guy. So I reluctantly went. I mean, like, if you could have a bad attitude as a person who is evangelizing, <laughs> that was me. I was, like, dragging my, you know, heels. And I was like, okay, hey, yeah, so you need change, eh? And he's like, yep. <laughs> So I was like, okay, well, I can do better than change. I can, I can, uh, I can buy you lunch. And so I said, when's the last time you ate? And it's like two days ago. That's a long time. And I said, what are you craving? And he said, I'm craving a Subway sandwich, bro. 
And I'm like, hey, there's a Subway, you know, shop right just down the corner. So he picked up his cardboard box and his milk crate that he was sitting on. We ended up walking over to Subway and obviously everyone was staring at us because, you know, his look, his smell, you know, everyone knows he's homeless. And I said, what's your story? And he basically said, my name is Jeremy. I'm a computer science major at uh, York University. You know, I ended up getting into, you know, alcohol, um, drank my way and spent and burned all my money, became an alcoholic. Uh, I, I got kicked out of school, I ended up on the streets. I have enough money for my books, but I can't get back into residence. And that's, that's where I'm at. I'm like, gosh, he's a computer science major. He's a pretty smart guy. Like, you don't think that there's a homeless person that's a computer science right. uh, guy, but like homeless people are people. They have real names. And so I said, is it okay if I share my story with you? And I shared my story and I shared, you know, the gospel story. And I said, does this make sense? And he goes, absolutely. And he just says, I'm, I've hit rock bottom and I need that God that you're talking about. I'm like, really? <laughs> Almost like in unbelief because I was still skeptical. And uh, he's like, I need the God that you're talking about. So how do I do that? And right there in the Subway sandwich shop over our meatball sub, uh, Jeremy came to Christ. Wow. And that's what it's all about, you know? Wow, man. Wow. That's just, uh, I don't know. That's one of those stories that just kind of gets you. Um, I, I see, I, I just, I think, I think that's, that's an incredible thing. So let me ask you this question. Okay. Let's say we got a church and we know that's where we're lacking. We know we need to yep. get, uh, you know, out there. We we need to do that stuff, and we reach out to someone like you. What does working with you look like? I mean, is it a one time meeting? Is it a you know three months? I I I, I have no idea what what a church consultant does. <laughs> like I understand the business consulting world, as you know, because that's what I do. Help me understand yeah. the church consulting world. Well, my, my role, my title is a regional evangelist for Every Nation Canada. And uh, to other people, like churches and um, campus ministries and denominations, I just call myself a church, church growth consultant. Basically, I've lent and stole the idea that you gave me, which is a business growth consultant, because it sounds good and it's easier to understand. And so basically, um, I, I kind of make stuff as I go. But what I've come up with is like a, uh, like a consultation fee uh, menu, if you will. And so there's ongoing, uh, uh, church planning coaching that I offer. It's, you know, X amount of dollars an hour, a minimum number of hours that I offer. There is, uh, an on, onsite assessment that I can offer for a certain fee. There is, you know, helping plan an outreach plan and, you know, creating a plan to, to help bring change in ethos. Um, that, that is a write up and report. Uh, there's, um, evangelism training workshop where I offer a three-hour workshop called Everyday Evangelism that is a primer to help uh, raise the evangelism climate and share some basic reasons why and how we share the gospel. And then another um, part of my conversation is I've devised a curriculum called Impact, which takes kind of all the mainstream um, uh, evangelism tools, if you will, and principles from Scripture, and I've rewritten it, repackaged it, recontextualized it in a 10 to 12-week classroom and on the job, which is, you know, going out in the neighborhoods or in the malls or in the coffee shops. And I'll take them and I'll teach them and I'll train them, like I mentioned before, over a 10 to 12 week 
period and uh, see people, you know, people come to Christ, but more importantly is these people who take the course or take the training, they learn how to have this uh, skill set, if you will, for the rest of their lives so that they can share the gospel with um, anyone, anywhere, anytime, anywhere from, you know, uh, a minute to 30 minutes. It, it can be uh, customized um, as the context and the time allows. And so it may be like, you know, a three to six month contract. It could be a year contract. It's, it's pretty flexible. And my, my, my whole purpose for this is to help to see the church grow and multiply disciples so that they will plant churches and reach nations. Mm. I don't know if that answered your question. It does. It does. It actually helps out a lot. And I know this is kind of a side note, which our, our listeners right now aren't going to understand, but a thought that I just had come through my head. One of the other guys, as you know, who's in the, uh, the business growth consulting program that I run, his name is Tony Nickel out of Texas. And yes. one of the um, kind of the, the programs that he's put together because he's run into it a lot is how you share your faith with your family members. And his point was, he yeah. goes so many times, that's the harder barrier for people to get over because you, you've known them your whole life. They're your family and they're not saved. And it's like, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, connect that if you will. And, um, I was just thinking, man, the two of you guys got to talk cause you guys might be able to, to work together on some stuff. So <laughs> I know that doesn't yeah, make much sense to our, our other listeners. Name on the call, I was thinking the exact, exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we talked about his thing on uh, one of our case study calls, the one that you weren't able to attend. That's why I was just yeah. thinking about it right now. You gotta, you gotta connect with him. Cause I mean, that, that's to me, that's, that's one of the great things about why I love working with church planners. You know, um, for those who, who know my story, I grew up in the church. My father was a pastor and, uh, and I mean, I, I definitely had, uh, you know, a conversion when I was five years old. There's no doubt about it. I had a conversion. Um, I've always known my whole life anytime I've done something that's wrong. Uh, there was never a, oh, I didn't realize that was wrong. I always knew it was wrong when I was doing it. And which is not to say I was always close. People who've heard the podcast have heard my story, even though I went to Biola University, one of the, the well-known uh, Christian colleges here in the States. Um, it really didn't mean anything to me. Uh, and, and certainly I understood God, knew he was there, but figured, hey, I have fire insurance. You know, I'm good. I'm, I'm saved. Mm-hmm. And never, right. never got off the sidelines. And it wasn't until I started working with Peyton and literally getting involved in church planning that everything just came alive to me. And I think that's one of the reasons that I love working with church planners so much. It's because the sense of urgency is there. You know, one of the things that we used to say at, uh, at refuge long beach, we are some people's last stop before hell. And, um, and there was always that, hey, look, we are here to reach the lost. We're not here to, uh, you know, um, be all political and, and, you know, we're going to take this, this Democrat area and turn it into Republicans. I mean, as, as some church plants <laughs> do here in the States, uh, that was never the deal. Like we, we could have never reached that community, uh, you know, cause I, where Long Beach is and, and where our church uh, is, it's it's literally right in the heart of the Rainbow District. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we've had everything from prostitutes to uh, transsexual prostitutes to drug dealers to um, uh, we, we. I still remember this one uh, very clear image. Uh, one of the guys, I think it was Peyton. I think he took the picture. Um, Charlie was preaching. Uh, Charlie Marquez, who's now actually in the uh, the business growth consulting oh, program, yeah, 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 yeah. he and Peyton uh, co-pastored this church. And Peyton okay. took a picture, and there was this one guy who looks like he's sleeping in the picture. And so someone yeah. commented on Facebook, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you can't keep him awake there at uh, Refuge Long Beach, ha ha ha," you know. And what Peyton couldn't put on was, "You don't understand. That guy's going through heroin withdrawals right there." Oh wow! And like. But the context, even though we were 10 miles away from the sending church, if that, it's a whole nother world. And to see, you know, church planters where their heart is at, it's about getting into the big game and it's about getting everyone into the big game. And and that's why I love working with church planters so much. And that's why I even love, uh, you know, especially hearing what you're doing and how you help people get off the sidelines into the big game. And I, I think that's the whole key, because for me, that's what woke me up. That was what made me say, hey, you know what? There's something to all of this. And everything started to change for me. Every preconceived notion I'd ever had about Christianity, about church, about God, everything started to get real. And mm-hmm. and um, so I don't know, man. I just I'm just sharing that because I I love okay. where your heart's at and it, it means a lot to me to hear that and, and to hear what you're doing, man. So um, let me ask you this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you if people want to reach out to you how they can do that. But before we get to that, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, yeah, I, I think one of the things that's been near and dear to my heart, you know, when I think about church planters, I mean, my heart goes out for them. You know, having planted a church and help plant other churches is that it's a, it can be a very lonely place, mm. and without that accountability, without those friendships, and admitting our weaknesses or our sin and failure it's a very, it can be a very dangerous place to be. And um, so that emotional spiritual health is one component that I really want to address that people, uh, church planners find Sabbath rest, that they find uh, a place where maybe people outside of the church, um, a group of friends or peers that don't judge them or that won't, you know, rein them in if they find out what they've done or said, but, you know, they can have that, um, uh, a circle of friends, if you will, that can help support and pray with them. That's, that's one huge thing as a church planner uh, so that they don't feel alone. And the second thing is the idea, you know, in Mark uh, 12, um, was it uh, 30, 31, where it talks about um, the great, uh, great, uh, what is it called? The, um, the greatest commandment, which is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the, the part that I have been intrigued with is um, loving your neighbor as yourself. This idea, what is it? Who is your neighbor, and what does it mean to love them as yourself? Because if we loved neighbors half as much as we loved ourselves, the world would change. Because I know, you know, for myself, I spend a lot of time in the mirror, you know, you know, making sure I have the right clothes, you know, the, the money that I spend on myself or my my kids, uh, the energy, the effort. Like, I, I I want the best for myself and my kids, and. If we took that passage literally and, and, and helped others, our neighbors, whether it's, you know, our next door neighbors or our condo, uh, adjacent con- condo neighbor or 
a family. It could be a family or a friend or coworker or someone that's in a circle uh, of influence. If we loved or when we loved, not if, when we loved our neighbor, when we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, we can see the world change. And so when we share time with them, and, and the key is uh, God's presence and us being present with them, fully present, and being interested in the things that uh, they're interested in, uh, not necessarily a, a bait and switch, but just, you know, even though it may take, you know, longer than you think, what I want to encourage church planners and, and, and followers of Christ is that when we spend time with people and we're interested as friends, you know, circumstances in their lives change. So I've, I've come across people who were ready to jump off second floor balconies, people who mm. have ended up in the psychiatric ward, people who have lost, you know, uh, or had miscarriages or have lost businesses or, um, you know, like a lot of different circumstances in their, in their lives. And my next door neighbor literally um, knew who I was and what I did. And even though I didn't, you know, share or preach the gospel to them, she came to me over, walked across the, the lawn and said, I know you're a Christian and I don't really believe in that, but um, I have some nerve endings in my, in my eye that are actually causing it, my, my retina or my eye to detach or something like that. And I was like, my first reaction inside screaming was, that's gross. <laughs> like, right. Your eyes falling off. Or, but I thought, you know, she said, you know, would you be able to pray for me? And I'm like, absolutely. And so that notion as, as church planners is, um, I think when we love our neighbors as ourselves, we can see um, the, the neighborhood, our workplaces, our colleagues, our friends, our families completely transformed by the gospel. So mm. those are two things. Man, I love it. I love it. Well, hey, uh, Jay, if someone wanted to reach out to you, uh, maybe they want to, to uh, you know, talk to you about some of the things that you do and, and how you might be able to help their church, how can they reach out to you? Uh, great question. Uh, they can, I'm still trying to get a website going, but this is a brand new role that I'm doing. So I'm learning as I go, but if, if, I have an email address and a phone number. Would that help? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and give it out. So it's uh, jay dot lee l e e at every nation one word dot org o r g jay dot lee at every nation dot org, and my cell number is area code four one six five six seven nine one seven six four one six five six seven nine one seven six. Or you can even add me on Facebook, um, Jay Lee. You know my um, my family's on there and you can email me, call me or Facebook me. And I'd love to come and help uh, walk alongside with you guys to see your churches grow. That's awesome, man. Well, Hey Jay, I appreciate you taking the time and doing this interview. And uh, I appreciate everything that, that you are doing uh, for the kingdom up there in, in Canada. And, and I'm sure uh spillovers here in the States as well. So, and I'm just, I'm excited. So thank you so much for everything. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. And we'll be back uh, next week with another episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 